So last week I was speaking about wisdom in somewhat of a general way. Wisdom that comes, that is our intuitive knowing. Um, So I was speaking about it just giving a a general kind of overview of wisdom. And tonight I want to speak about it a little bit more specifically as it relates to Buddhist teachings. But before I do so, I want to share just a little bit of reflection that happened for me during the course of the week, where, you know, it is a time, because I'm speaking about wisdom, that I keep turning my mind towards wisdom, turning my mind towards that which helps wisdom to come forth, and just reflecting on it, looking at it in my own experience. And, uh, you know, last week I had spoken about how faith and wisdom need to be balanced, that, uh, um, you know, without faith we can find that our wisdom, we, we may know something, we may understand something, but we might not be have the commitment to living from the truth of that place. And faith helps us to stay committed. Well, during the course of this week, I was really, at one point, very struck by the connection between wisdom and compassion. And how when we really start seeing the way things are, it very naturally leads into compassion. And, you know, what we find is like what I found in a moment in this week, where seeing something of the truth of the way things are, I found my heart just opened. And it was was quite striking in the moment, in that I found uh, such a softening that, you know, the, the, just seeing people do really stupid things, you know, do things that are going to lead to more suffering. But in that moment, rather than getting caught up in judging, blaming, um, making those people wrong, there was just this scene that they were only doing the best that they could in that moment. They didn't know differently because they're caught in delusion, not seeing clearly something I commonly experience in my own mind. You know, so it was seeing how when there's wisdom and this compassion that we move closer, we move into connection. There you know, isn't this tendency to be brutal, unkind. There is a softening of the heart that when the compassion is supported by wisdom, we aren't in fear of being overwhelmed by it. When they really come so closely entwined, they support each other. That helps us to have uh, a softness and openness of heart that is willing to look deeply into the nature of things and out of the seeing of the nature of things, out of you know, knowing of the insubstantial nature, the, the way that all experience is empty of a separate self, into the seeing of that, great compassion arises.
I was also, during the period of this day, where it was just really strong for me, seeing something of how wisdom, compassion are closely linked. I also remembered um, when I was leaving Burma in January, when I'd been practicing there for a month, and you know, during the course of that month, often seeing the force of greed, hatred, and delusion in my mind, very often, but keep turning the mind towards just the seeing of this in its nature, seeing greed in its nature, seeing hatred in its nature, seeing delusion in its nature. Um, and, you know, just for that course of that month, turning up as best as I could in each moment, moment by moment. And then I found myself sitting at the airport, leaving, departing the country. Being in the monastery, it had been in a very protected uh, atmosphere, you know, where it was surrounded by people who were also doing this practice, people who had very strong motivation, intention to wake up. But sitting in the airport, I was more exposed to some of the conditions in Burma. The um, airport is run by the military regime, and so there was more presence of people from the military. Um, I was really surprised what happened to me sitting there. I found myself crying. I found myself crying for the military. I have, you know, over the, you know, I don't know, last 15 years, traveled to Burma a number of times, feel a strong connection with that country, and have been horrified at some of the stories I hear of the happenings, the atrocities that are occurring under the military regime. It's been very painful to me. And it's very easy for my mind to move into anger, to you know, really be putting down uh, people who are in the military. And then suddenly sitting there in the airport, I felt compassion for them. I felt their pain. I realized that, you know, they couldn't see clearly. Some of them, you know, there's different reasons for each person. You know, so not to generalize what their lives might be like. But to know that at the end of the day, someone who's really harming other people, what they have to do to block out the pain of realizing that, how hard that is, Realizing probably that some of those people were doing what they were doing because that was the only way they could see to provide for their families. And yet they were having to live with the consequences of their actions. And that, you know, probably many of them were doing what we often do when we can't open to the pain we numb out, we deny, we suppress. But it was their means of survival, how they saw they could survive. And yet, there would be consequences from what they were doing. I felt pain, you know, the pain of what state they might be in to do what they're doing, and also that they would also have to live with the results of their actions. And I think, as we explore wisdom, that it's really important that we stay in touch with compassion. Because compassion is so connected with suffering. And if our wisdom becomes disembodied, if it becomes an intellectual exercise, last week Joseph was speaking about the five aggregates of clinging. You know, and really looking into our own experience through these different aspects of experience, 
to come to understand for ourselves that we have misperception about these experiences that create this sense of I, and how in reality there is no solid I, no unchanging I. Now, when we really see deeply with wisdom, we see there isn't this solid I, me, and mine, which is you know, the basis of wrong view, the wrong perception that there is a self that everything is happening to. Um, but you know, Joseph's taking on this, on this exploration of how these different aspects of experiences are ways that we get entangled or you know, solidify the sense of I when we cling to these aspects of experience. On one level, if it's a disembodied wisdom, it starts to feel like we're just, uh, you know, being very self-indulgent in looking into the minutiae of our experience. But when we're in touch with compassion, we realize we're doing so because this is the place where suffering happens. And our practice is a way to really come to understand how it is that we suffer and how to find happiness, true happiness. The great sage Milarepa once said, No emptiness, be compassionate. Knowing emptiness is wisdom. Being compassionate is the expression of wisdom, the natural expression. But even when our wisdom is not complete, we can still hold the whole way that we do this investigation, this inquiry, we can still hold it within compassion, within the deep caring of our hearts, because we know suffering, we see suffering, we hear suffering. And our response is to want to know why, to want to know how, to want to know how to be free. So tonight in speaking about wisdom, I'm going to be speaking about it um, by beginning what will be two talks on the wisdom part of the Noble Eightfold Path. Just a reminder that the Noble Eightfold Path is made up of three trainings, that of wisdom, that of virtue, and that of samadhi or concentration, um, the training of the mind. And this Noble Eightfold Path begins with wisdom, uh, where we have to have some context, some sense of how things are, some context to hold this path in, um, and that this wisdom part of the Noble Eightfold Path is made up of right view or right understanding and right thought or right intention. And the next part of the Eightfold Path is that of sila or virtue. And this is where we uh, develop, understand the value of living a life of non-harming, 
how living a life of non-harming is really an expression of the radiant heart. Uh, Living this life of non-harming is actually a foundation in which we can do this inquiry, investigation into the mind, into the causes of suffering. Um, it It helps to bring about the conditions that will be most helpful, most beneficial to do this work. And we find that uh, sila, or virtue, is actually the natural conduct of an awakened being. And then the third aspect of the Noble Eightfold Path being that of samadhi. And this is where there's the cultivation of the mind through effort, mindfulness and concentration. And we do this because it leads to liberating insight. So tonight, right view, right understanding. There are two levels to right view. One level is that uh, on the mundane, or uh, mundane referring to the confines of the world. In the understanding that we get of right view, on this level of the mundane, is the law of karma, understanding of the law of karma, understanding of the laws of cause and effect. And then there's said to be a superior right view. And this is where our wisdom becomes deep, clear, where we have uh, an understanding of the Four Noble Truths, the truth of suffering, the cause of suffering, the cessation of suffering and the way leading to the cessation of suffering. The superior view of mundane, or uh, view, the superior right view is um, the understanding that leads to liberation. So the first, uh, that of the law of karma. My own understanding of karma seems quite simple and quite basic. And I am quite sure that there's scholars in the world that could, you know, point to it in a very refined way, draw out nuances. But in my own life, I like to look and see what is helpful to me in the understanding of this law of karma. In the understanding of the law of karma, the law of cause and effect, it can just simply be to look and to see in our own experience how what we do, what we say, what we think has consequences. That... um, There, when we look at our own experience, we can see that when we do and say things that are harmful, hurtful, that cause pain, that there can be unwholesome results from this. And when we do things that are skillful, are helpful, are wholesome, that this too can bring about wholesome mind states.
in the Buddhist teachings, it isn't in the action itself that determines whether something is wholesome or unwholesome. This is determined by the motivation. Whether we do something from a place of greed, hatred, delusion, or we do something from a place of non-greed, non-hatred, non-delusion. This will affect the seeds that will ripen from this action. So for example, if we give a gift, it could look, just from the level of action, as if we are planting wholesome seeds. But if in the giving of that gift, our motivation to do so is because we want somebody to give something back to us, or we're giving something to somebody uh, to offend them, or we're giving it something to somebody because we want to appear generous, this is not going to have the wholesome seed. This will have unwholesome seeds in it. But if we give from an altruistic place that's not self-referencing, that is from the purity of heart that wants to offer, it doesn't matter how humble our offering is, there will be wholesome seeds that are planted. In our lives, we are continually planting seeds. These come about in these moments of volitional formations where there is an action and this motivation conditioning the volitional formation. When we understand something of karma, it means a lot to us in our lives. Because we come to see that there is both a place of empowerment and a place of responsibility. That in each moment that we are planting seeds, we find the potential or the possibility of planting seeds that are going to lead to happiness, that are going to be helpful, that are going to help alleviate the pain. It's very empowering. It, you know, it certainly has to be... Um, We have to bring mindfulness to it, or we won't be able to distinguish that which is helpful and that which is not helpful. You know, it has to be supported by wise attention. If we look in our lives, we can see that which we want to support, that which brings more freedom. I love this story. It's an old Cherokee story that illustrates something of this. One evening, an old Cherokee told his grandson about a battle that was going on inside him. He said, My son, it is between two wolves. One is evil. Anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, and ego. The other is good, joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, 
generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The grandson thought about it for a moment, and then he asked his grandfather, which wolf wins? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one I feed. The one we feed is what we will come to bear the fruits of. When we have you know, even a basic understanding of karma, it helps us to have a greater level of acceptance. We have some understanding that things are arising according to natural laws. And this is not fatalistic. This is not a closed system. Because what we can do, you know, even in moments where what may be arising is fruits of unwholesome actions in the past, where uh, circumstances are very unpleasant, or, or what we're experiencing is unpleasant. But when we can bring wise attention to that, we are bringing in a wholesome response. It means that in any moment, we can bring in a wholesome response. That we don't have to keep perpetuating habits of mind that strengthen habits that are unhelpful, unskillful. I've noticed in my own life, you know, being in the midst of a heated argument and, you know, being caught in anger and then having a moment where mindfulness comes in for a moment of really looking into the state of anger itself. Just this one moment of mindfulness breaks the momentum. It stops the story of the anger, which can be so compelling. Just in this one moment, there's a coolness of mind. And it's in this moment where we can be empowered, where we can take responsibility. The more deeply we understand karma, the more our efforts will be to plant wholesome seeds. We will strengthen our understanding by looking into our own experience. Looking into anger. Noticing when anger is present in the mind, what the effect is. This is kind of the immediate karma. Knowing karma quite immediately. When love is present, to notice the effect that it has. Or any mind state. For the wholesome mind states, to see, to know, to, to really look and feel what is the effect that is there. Or when we have a thought, you know, if it's a thought of judgment, 
of blame to notice the effect. When we have a thought of renunciation, relinquishment, to notice the effect that that has. We can also notice if we're doing metta, loving-kindness practice, what happens as we give support to this mind state of loving-kindness. When it's like planting a garden, giving um, things the right conditions, something flourishes. If we plant a garden of anger, blame, judgment, this is what's going to flourish. If we plant a garden of loving-kindness, compassion, wisdom, this is what will flourish. We can see it quite directly in our own experience. We can also see karma through the effect that this can have on others. You know, that when we're really caught up in anger, notice what happens to other people around you, how it affects them. Notice when uh, loving-kindness is strong, what the effect is. You know, and sometimes we know it through contact with another person. You know, when I think of, um, oh, what's his name? Mahagosananda, somebody whom, you know, I, I just once had the experience of being around him and just looking at him. Uh, and his being was radiant. And just looking at this face of radiance, what transpired, what was the effect in, in, within me? You know, there's been teachers that I've met where just simply coming into their presence, it was as if there was this electrifying energy that woke one up. As we practice, we will also experience how our past actions have an effect. Things that we've done in the past. As we're sitting here, a memory comes up of, say, something we did that we didn't like. As we remember it, as the memory springs up, notice the impact in the mind. I know sometimes it's like cringing. Did I really do that? Sometimes it's guilt. You know, just feeling horrible about what one's done. And this is where it's important that we don't... um, stay locked into a self-view around this. Because, you know, as we experience in our practice the results, uh, you know, what, what the, resu- the immediate experience of past actions and how it's colored our experience in the moment, um, and, you know, where it's bringing up an unwholesome mind state, if we bring in mindfulness there, we won't get caught in the guilt. We won't just create a more solid sense of, I'm really unskillful, I've done something really horrible, and I should suffer because of it. If we bring in mindfulness, there's just the recognition, there's the acceptance, and we can make a commitment to cease to do unskillful things. And when we can do this, it's why sometimes in our practice we have a sense of deep karmic knots untangling. Where we can really allow some of this um, past karma to arise and be held within wisdom. Where we're not feeding, not solidifying, 
It's where in our practice we really let things wash through and are no longer bound by past habits. And it's how we find that the practice of meditation is a purification practice. Through our practice, we also see how it only takes one little moment of not being mindful of something unwholesome to suddenly have a raging inferno. You know, one little thought of aversion and we can be in full-out war if we're not mindful. Um, I'd like to share uh, something from the Sutra of the Wise and the Foolish, which is really uh, a sutra from, it's kind of in the league of Jataka tales, and the tales relate to karma. Uh, So this is, Do not take lightly small misdeeds, believing they can do no harm. Even a tiny spark of fire can set alight a mountain of hay. Even the smallest acts can bring great benefit. So whether it's wholesome or unwholesome, little sparks arising can have great consequences given the right conditions. I was uh, recently heard a story that's on the heartening side of this, how you know, some small act of generosity can have great benefits. The, um, I heard this on the news. There was this young boy named John Ferrarer. I, I can't remember, he was about 12, 14 years old. And John really loved baseball. He was on a local team in the small town where he lived. Uh, he, and he was working very hard collecting money to save up so that he could go and see his favorite team, the Yankees, play baseball. This was a big dream for him. And he had saved about $1,000. And then in the small town that he lived, the school that he attended was going to be shut down. And, you know, the small town had a very tight community, and it was going to be a whole loss to the whole community, or a great loss to the whole community, to lose the school. And John felt strongly about this. John really wanted to continue to go to this same school. So he wanted to raise money um, for the school. So he began by donating the $1,000 that he had worked very hard to get. This inspired others in the community to donate. And they raised $400,000 within one month. It was enough to save, I don't know for how long, the school. And then it turned out that the Yankees manager heard about this act that John had done. And in hearing about this, he contacted John and he gave him uh, $1,000 and he also gave him tickets to see the Yankees play. And he, on top of that, offered to him for, him, for John to come to the batting practice as the Yankees were uh, doing their batting practice. In hearing it, it just, you know, to me, reminded me of how what seems sometimes like little actions can, when they're wholesome, they can have really big results. You know, and this was just, you know, something common. I I, I don't know how common, but, you know, a simple act of kindness. And it can bring about great benefit. And so in our lives, you know, we can let these little seeds of wholesomeness. They'll grow in their own time, in the right conditions. But we, can, we don't have to think of doing something huge, but just little acts of kindness, of caring. We can also 
notice in our own experience how once we do something once, it makes it easier to do it again. So this will be, you know, once we get angry once, we learn the way, it gets pretty easy. But it also means that for that which is helpful, skillful, once we start paying attention to it, it becomes easier to give it more attention. Just on a very mundane level, I, I've always liked to watch how when, I, when something happens once, it can happen more easily. And this is a very simple example, but I've been with my husband over 20 years. And actually some of you have probably heard stories about how on Valentine's Day he doesn't give gifts. Well, this Valentine's Day he did. He gave me a dozen roses. <laughs> it was exciting after 20 years. But what was really interesting was after 20 years of no roses, this week he gave me another dozen It's like we can just really look. What do we want to give attention to? What do we want to cultivate? I mean, don't listen to, I mean, do and don't listen to the words of teachers, but (laughs) really look in your own experience. What's of value? What opens your heart? What brings you real joy? Nurture it, care for it. What hurts you? What harms you? Let it go. Don't feed it. You don't need to. And the more we tend to what brings happiness, the easier it becomes. practice of generosity. You know, I've noticed at first it was taking it on as a practice, becoming more aware of generosity, sometimes maybe giving a little, not just thinking about it. But then, you know, as a practice, finding, or you know, just seeing in the moment that one could give. And, you know, the more we do it, the easier it becomes. I find it really helpful to reflect at the end of a day, what, what did I offer in this day that was wholesome, helpful? What did I do in this day that maybe was unskillful. Really looking to how we can strengthen our own understanding of karma. of karma aren't always so immediate. It isn't always so easy to see that, you know, there's many different conditions coming together. And the Buddha, you know, um, said that real understanding of karma was only possible for a Buddha. 
and that it, it has to be looked at not just in the minutiae of uh, the present moment, but that it needs a broad context, that it needs to be viewed over the course of lives. And I'd like to share something from the Treasury of Precious Qualities. And this is by uh, Jinpa Lingpa, who is a great Tibetan master of the 17th century. When the eagle soars up high above the earth, its shadow for the while is nowhere to be seen. Yet bird and shadow are linked. So too are our actions. When conditions come together, their effects are surely seen. You know, that we plant seeds where we don't uh, get the effect from immediately. This happens. You know, just looking at metta, when we do metta practice, many times just we're planting the seeds of metta, and we might not feel metta at all. You know, but the, it's in the, the power of the intention, the offering, um, that the, the, the volition, the motivation is there. And that when conditions are right, that metta will flourish. But it isn't always immediately seen. Some of us may not be able to hold it. You know, we might not have much sense of past life, future lives. And so it becomes difficult, you know, if you can't see it here and now, then, you know, how to hold that. Um, Sokni Rinpoche, a Tibetan teacher, once gave me advice that seems really relevant. And he just, you know, kind of said, you want to keep the door of possibility open. That our actions, you know, the effect of can be seen, you know, can have consequences in future lives. And we can see this if we just look on the level of the environment, that if we are destroying the environment right here now, it will have effect on the future. And so it could be that, you know, whatever's happening within this mind stream uh, the actions that we do now will have effect on this mind stream in the future. So just holding it open as a place of possibility, but on a practical level, it seems that if we're going to be planting seeds, we will want to plant seeds that are helpful that are wholesome, whether or not they ripen in this moment. The results of karma are said to be one of the four imponderables. That if we think too much about the results of karma, it can drive us crazy. Because karma is complex, is, uh, there is different aspects coming together. Um, and it's, it will drive us crazy because it leads to the intellectual trap of duality. So we want to understand or hold karma in a way that is going to help us take care in our lives to plant seeds that will help the ripening of wisdom. I'd like to share a teaching from Santakaro Bhikkhu that I think is just a very clear, concise description of karma. Our actions have consequences. We choose our actions due to motivation. The character of the motivation determines the character of the results or consequences. Our choices subjectively determine our world. So karma is said to be the conceptual understanding that can 
guide us in the unfolding of wisdom. You know, when we have some understanding of it, it will help us to take care on the journey of awakening, to be responsible, to be empowered. It helps to give us a framework within which to work, to plant seeds that are helpful, skillful, to let go of that which creates more suffering. I think I will leave the second aspect of right view for another night. Um, And so as we practice, we are in a place where we can contemplate or look directly into our experience to have some understanding of the law of karma. Feeling the results of past actions that were unhelpful, unskillful. Feeling the effects of that which is wholesome, helpful. This supporting the strengthening of wisdom. So let's just sit for a moment. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.